Podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Right now, shop all the latest stuff, including the Women's World Cup gear, FC Dallas, European clubs. They got all the new stuff for the new season. They got the Marvel stuff for MLS. Captain America balls that you name it, they got it. Third degree listeners get 20% off your order at soccer90.com when you use the code third degree. Hey, just like the name of this podcast, third degree. Some exclusions may apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to episode number 220, 220 of third degree, the podcast. Hi, it's me, Pete. Alongside today, first off, howdy, Dan Crook. What's going on? Uh, I'm just uh, sitting here watching the. Hilarity of the MLS All-Star Game, which I just popped on and is now in the 70th minute. And I can only... T- yes, have you seen these Arsenal Away kits they debuted tonight? Oh, the hideous yellow one? Oh, holy Jesus! That's a bad one. And uh, your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder of thirddegree.net, Buzz Carrick, come in, Buzz. Hi, hi Peter. I've uh, officially decided that this heat is for the birds. Okay. Yep, I'm done with it. You're done with this heat. Yep, I'm out. Okay. Going to pack up the truck. Going to go start go. covering, go, yep. go cover the Seattle Sounders yep. full time now. Yep, they're about to launch uh, Spokane USL One. I'm in. I'm I'm, I'm out. See if here. you can find a, a team in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, Alaska would be or, good. Or the Canadian Premier League. <laughs> Somewhere that it is much much colder. Please. Yeah, yeah. It is summertime in Texas, Buzz. Oh my God. Here we are. Every year I hate it, and every year I leave. Well, that's right. You're about to go on your <laughs> yeah. uh, on your uh, walkabout, your yeah, walkabout. partner walkabout. Yeah. Usually, don't don't you have another one that you go solo? No, it just depends on the year. Sometimes it's solo. Sometimes it's with the the better half. This time it's with the better half. So okay. And that's the walkabout brought to you by Soccer Ninety. Yes, <laughs> in a way it is. Is it sponsored by Soccer Night? No, no, it's not. Oh. <laughs> but kind of it is. It should be. Yeah. You should cut that deal. Yeah, I should. I don't know that anyone cares but me. And where do you go again? Uh, Northern Idaho. Oh, Is that's a, right. Because yeah. you're going to go join up with your friends in the in the, in the, in yeah. the army, quote unquote, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, up at Lake Coeur d'Alene. <laughs> uh, there's not nearly as many as there used to be, but there's still some. You know, I avoid those people, but, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, the lake is nice. I bet. Yeah. Hopefully your weather will be nice and your drive up will be nice. Well, the weather there is scheduled to be high of 90, uh, low of 65. So okay, we're excited about that. So uh, you're going to miss League Cup. Amazing how that works. <laughs> <laughs> so while the rest of us are all fussing about this idea, you're like, oh, I can go on vacation. It's almost like somebody scheduled their vacation around League's Cup. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice idea. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. for you. Well, uh, well, as I guess the best thing to say is that Dallas did not end the first half of the season with a loss. They went up to the place that has been a bit of a bogey. When was the last time Dallas won a game in Seattle, Buzz? Uh, only once. Right? I believe it's 2011, 2012, something like that. It's been a long – I mean, it's only the one time ever. It's been a long time. Would you say, Dan? 2011. 2011. Okay. So to get a point there, I feel like this is a game that you can look at of one of two ways. Going up and getting a draw, you can go, hey, look, 
this situation is dire. Uh, g- getting anything in Seattle is uh, unexpected greatness. And the other part of it is, is you can also say to yourself, man, if Bernie Camungo is the only other person on this team can mm-hmm. score, there's a lot of problems going on right now with this club. And I I guess you can kind yeah. of pick and choose which uh, side of the coin you want to look at this match from. Well, both can be true. It can be true that historically you cannot win in Seattle uh, with the one exception. Um, you know, there are lots of reasons why. And yes, you would want to say over the course of the history, they need to figure out how to be better and win in some of these locations. Totally true. Also totally true that given the turf, you know, and the, and the usual troubles you have there, even when you have everybody, that getting a point there is good. That's a good result. And particularly given all the current troubles with just being able to field a real roster and the missing pieces, yes, getting a, a tie is definitely a good result. And I think you could even look at the way they played and be relatively happy with the way they played. Yet it is also very true that when Bernie Camungo in his 180 minutes or whatever he has, is the third, is second leading scorer on your team with three goals, that, that sort of gives you a microcosm into what's going wrong with this club this season. Given, of course, that it's still a team that's, as of today, still in the playoffs and has been all season pretty much. So it's not like this is the worst club in the league, but um, there definitely is a, a duality here of conflicting forces and how we feel about this team. Independent of all that, I think it's a good result in in Seattle. Well, four points out of the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. Not good. Is not a good way to end the first half of the season. (laughs) No. Uh, Injury riddled or not. Dan, you got any uh, thoughts about uh, the tie in Seattle? Uh, I mean, it put, put an end to that run of defeats for one, I think. You know, you go to Seattle, you automatically consider it a loss. Uh, getting outshot seventeen to three, and they came away with a point. I thought, you know, Nico does his whole certain bunker, then try and nick something mentality. And honestly, that's kind of what they did. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, the it was a first half goal, but um, you know, getting a point, getting a goal on the road without Jesus is is monumental enough. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I mean, no, no complaints about the own goal as well. I kind of, at the time, feared that the FC Dallas fan base would uh, jump on uh, Junker for what was really just, uh, you know, beautiful finish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> yeah, that Rod- Rodan had had that ball covered. It was yeah, try and get something and, def- and divert it away from goal, or or it's. You know, Roldan's got an easy time, and that was a, a phenomenal ball for that. What led to that angle? Buzz, uh, you know, I guess it's it's tough to go to these, you know, look at the lineups of these games and kind of figure out what to expect out of any of this. So let's just try to take the good parts out of it. I think that's probably the best way to look at it is, yeah. you know, what are the good things to take away from a draw in Seattle when you've got that lineup? Well, the, you're, you're right about that. Look, this is a league of parity. We talk about it all the time. You can just look at the standings and you can see it. You know, when you're, when you're missing your high-powered pieces, uh, you're just trying to hold on. Given the amount of injuries, given Jesus didn't make the roster, which is a different question entirely, you know, you, you have to try and get through, grind through the game, and that's what you did. And when you do that, you have to take your chances when they come. You have to take these moments. Uh, there's a very small window of opportunity in these games when they're like this. When you're when you're fighting and clawing and just trying to stay in it, 
Um, and when that little sliver comes, you've got to go. And Bernie Camungo, for example, twice now, uh, when he's had that opportunity, he's taken it and he's won. Uh, he had a game-winning goal a few weeks ago, and he had the game-tying goal tonight, both in circumstances when he you know, only had one or two shots in the game. In this particular game, he had every shot on goal for the team. Um, and, and he happened to get one in the net. And so there was a game in between the two where he had an opportunity just like this uh, in the sense of a, a game with limited opportunities that he had a clear opportunity and he missed. And then they didn't win that game. And that that's the margin of error we're talking about. These tiny little moments can make a difference when you're so tight and playing it so close and so tight. And then the other side from Bernie is that your defense has to hold together. Uh, and not to shorten this down to a very quick discussion, but Martin Paz was again big when he needed to be only two saves. So I didn't have him down as like a man of the match level performance because it was only two moments, but those are huge moments. And just like Bernie making the moment on the other end, if Paz doesn't make that moment in that very tight margin when it comes on the defensive end, then they lose this game pretty handily because it would have been three nothing probably at that point before they come get their goal to tie it up. Um, so just generally speaking, you know, when, when you have these games that are uh, have such a small margin for error because you are so thin and because the other team is and it's such a difficult place for you to perform, you just have to have these little things go in your favor, these little moments of joy and take advantage of them. And when you do, you can come away with something. And that's what happened in this game. Was there any particular individual performance from somebody that uh, lifted your spirits? I actually thought um, Nikosi Tafari and Sebastian Dibiaga were both excellent. Um, on paper, as Dan pointed out, it, by the time they processed all the numbers, it ended up being 17 shots, but they only had two shots on goal. Um, so that, that tells you a couple of things. Dallas had, I think, five or six blocked shots of those 15, right? Several of them were from range, but only when only two of them managed to get on net, that tells me you're doing something right. It tells me you're harassing shooters. It tells me you're keeping them from not good opportunities. They're from bad angles or they're from bad distances or you're getting in front of them and just uh, causing the shooter to hesitate or shoot wide because your positioning is good or you're making an outright block. Granted, you would like to hold people to less shots than that, but that's a typical home team shot total. It's not for Dallas. Dallas doesn't shoot like that, but most teams at home end up with these 12, 15, 17 kind of shots at home. Um, and so as the road performances go, you know, the, the wide guys, not as much, but those two guys in the middle with pause behind them, you know, and probably Facundo, who's very static in front of them, probably, you know, did a nice job of, of limiting those danger chances and those, you know, right up top of the box, right in the, in the key part of the box, keeping everything wide and long. So um, again, that's how you win games on the road. You know, this is what you have to do. Uh, and it's not a win, so you get a point on the road. Um, that's how you have to play when you're an average team, which is what they are when they're missing everybody. Uh, am I wrong to say that maybe we saw some spark of hope in that Sebastian Legette uh, has got something coming back? Yes. Um, this was the first game where I actually thought, I think I counted four moments in the game where I thought he impacted the game in a positive way and wasn't just running around in a circle. There was... Um, there was a, a play early where he freed up. Um, I think it may have been a Velasco on the wrong flipping sides. He had one. And then there was one in midfield where he dribbled through three guys and made an outlet pass under pressure when they tried to box him in. And then he had the assist to Camungo. And then there was one late where there were four times where he clearly made a difference in the game and turned the game. Now, 
it still wasn't a 90 minute performance. There are still big chunks of it where he was non-existent. And if you looked at where his passes and, and his connectivity and his impact came, it's all way out wide by the sideline, you know, which means he's vacating the middle in order to try and find space, which in and of itself isn't the end of the world, except that when you're playing a 4-3-3, that means you're leaving Facundo and Edwin kind of on a island by themselves. You know, you want to be in there doing your job, which is not to say he wasn't defending, but if he's having to go so far out in order to find joy in the game, you know, that's, that's not what you, you, you would like him to be able to have those moments of impact when he's in the mix in the middle where all the stuff is happening. Um, but this was definitely from my, from my mind, this was a step forward for him over where he's been. And it's actually really positive because I, I honestly think it was the first game this year where I, where I watched him play and felt like he positively impacted things, you know, even if it wasn't a complete game, it was something. Yeah, well, that is a good sign. And uh, on the other side, well, not on the other side, but the other player I, w- I was interested in your opinion in or Dan's in is Velasco's progress. Dan, you want to take a shot at Velasco? There's a lot of shots to take at Velasco. <laughs> um, I mean, he wasn't the best Argentine in the team. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we're not we're not seeing an improvement from Velasco. Um, as dad, Dan is hinting, you know, he's still static. I, I keep hoping that as guys come back, maybe he'll find the game again, you know, but um, he, he basically drifted all over the place and didn't do very much for my mind. You know, some of the stats are still there, but the impact is not, you know, he's just in the game. Mm. He's almost become like legit was, you know, uh, if we get, get legit playing again, then it'll be down to getting uh, Velasco playing again and and and, and uh, uh, Ariel playing again. I think uh, I think you, you you're burying the lead. Really, the big takeaway from that game is clearly that FC Dallas is now the holder of the longest streak in MLS history without a penalty. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Fifty six games, I think. So. It, uh, uh, do we have 55, a sorry. I, okay? So do we have a theory behind that buzz? I mean, I know um, everybody's going to say the league's out to get us, they hate us, it's a conspiracy. But I mean, I, I think there's got to be <clears throat> some sort of like reasonable explanation as to why that's the case. Well, they don't take a high volume of shots. You know, they they carry the ball a little further, looking for the right opportunity. They're not necessarily. Um, slashing in there aggressively you know they're, they're being more meticulous about when they actually get into the box i 100 percent do believe that since the jesse gonzalez era that the referees collectively in this league have not been very uh <laughs> forgiving to fc dallas <laughs> since since the ghost the, of jesse gonzalez yeah, still haunts us i think you know since because those teams under oscar did a lot of shenanigans a lot of delaying kind of tactics and jesse was the worst of it you know and, and i heard lots of talk that um from people around the league is that the referees were often warned hey when you go to dallas you got to be ready for them to do all this stuff and i i legitimately believe that some of that vibe has carried over in the sense that I don't think Dallas as a club gets a lot of benefit of the doubt. They don't get people. Referees don't look at them as just like the rest of the league, quite frankly, does. They just people can take think of Dallas as just a team in the league. 
You know, they don't have any superstars. They don't have any big names. They don't have any fame. They don't have any buzz about them not to be a funny, you know? And so people, I think referees just look at them as a team and they don't get a lot of uh, protection or benefit, you know, things that are close kind of go the other way. It seems like uh, a lot of the time. Mm. And I, listen, I try to be very um, unbiased about referees. I, I'm a firm believer that you have to play the game as it is in front of you, whatever the ref is, the ref's going to be doing what he's doing. You just have to deal with it. I'm, I totally believe that. But when you get a run like this, it's not all that, but I, I can't help but think that that is a little piece of it. Um, the majority of it really is just the style that they use. They just don't, uh, they don't, they don't attack into the box at pace. They don't take a large volume of shots because a lot of times you get fouls when people are diving in and trying to get, you know, um, on the ball when you're trying to shoot it is when you get some of those opportunities coming, you know, they don't have a lot of guys. They only have one guy that really wants to dribble past people. And that's Velasco, you know, and, and he and his are really cut inside kind of things. And so you don't get a lot of people diving at his feet. You kind of just stand in front of him because he only has the one foot, you know, and where Obreon is kind of booted and run after it, you know, so he's not going to draw a lot of kind of fouls, you know, um, so it's just, so it's a combination of all that stuff. It's just a weird circumstance in a way that it all has piled up. But I do really legitimately believe that, that there's a referee unfriendliness to this organization. <laughs> Dan, what's the actual records uh, set at now? Uh, 55 games. Just, wow. uh, just beating Chivas USA's mark of 54 in well, you see another example of a yeah. club that no one liked. <laughs> I was just right? going to say, you know, you're in some shit company <laughs> when you're you're beating up Chivas USA for a record of some sort. And it's never look. There is no good record for Chivas USA. They hold that I can think of. So if you're beating them at some record, it's not a good sign at all. Goodness I, gracious! I mean, you can't break this kind of record without a little help, right? Don't you think? So it's like, you know, a, a club people don't like. You know? Yeah. So. I mean, we were talking, you know, last season, season before about uh, Obreon's dives and how that's always going to just be a, uh, yes, you know, a, a that's going to make referees say, oh, no, he's, yeah, it's a dive. He's, he didn't get taken down there. Um, yeah, but I mean, ultimately, you know, with the with the assistance of VAR, you know, you, you can kind of take a lot of that gray area you know that not well not gray area you you can kind of take any bias out of it to a degree it has to be very crystal clear hey there's a clear and uh, clear and obvious foul there that you've missed um that, that fc Dallas just you know isn't experiencing hmm. but, uh, 55 games without a penalty wow. 494 days ago was the last one <laughs> do we even do we know what game it was and who converted it? Did we even score it? Uh, Not we. Did the team ever score it? It was against Nashville. Frank O'Hara scored it. Who? <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Well, see, th think about that too. Like Frank O'Hara, what kind of striker was he? Runs a higher line. Shitty. Right? He would. He would. <laughs> no, let's be serious. He would body up on defenders, right? He would occupy right. center backs. He would contact center backs. He would draw people in contacting him. You're right. Yeah. They don't have anybody to play like that now. Obreon no. is vertical. All right. Uh, Paul is uh, tends to dart and dive and stay away from people because he's diminutive. He's only five foot three or two or one or whatever he is. 
right? Velasco dribbles, but he doesn't dribble and try and cut back and forth. He just kind of goes one way. So he's predictable in that sense. And Jesus runs away from people. So they, they don't really have anyone who's initiating contact and creating contact. So it's just the way they play. You're, uh, you you want to, if you really want to laugh, that was, that was the, uh, the game that, oh God, words are tough. That was the game that Alan Velasco made that crazy run. Oh, the Nashville goal. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Which, by the way, wasn't that the first game of last season? Uh, it was the it was third, his. I think. It was one of his early it, games. His, okay. It was his first game. Yeah, it was his. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's. Yeah. Uh, and it was uh, Paul Ariola that won the penalty. He just kind of stopped in front of his man running towards goal and got pushed by back, uh, Jack Mayer in the back. You know, frankly, I mean, honestly, if you're a soccer nerd, the uh, buzz your explanation as to how you go 55 games without a, you know, being awarded a penalty actually is kind of fascinating. Just yeah. from the tactics point of it, the style of play, like that's how a team goes almost in, more than an entire yeah. season without being awarded a penalty. And it's the kind of player. Yeah, that's great stuff. That's yeah. Uh, I mean, think about awesome. the Blas Perez era and think about how many PKs they had in that era when he was constantly generating contact and, and banging on center backs and making yeah. people angry or Ariel Graziana era when he played a similar kind of way of getting in people's heads. They don't have anybody that really gets in people's heads right now. Right. They don't have somebody like yeah. that. They don't have somebody that is a big contactor, big initiator. Uh, offensively speaking, they don't. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, uh, you can, you could, there's lots of reasons that all these things are contributing. And again, I think there's this tiny bit of an influence that pushes it over the line and making it really ridiculous. This, you know, slight, perhaps bias. Yeah. You know, I was listening to you talk about Velasco and the lack of improvement. And it makes me wonder where do we think that went wrong is because I mean, it's easy to say that maybe he was mis scouted by Dallas, but there were a ton of teams that were interested in him and he was a highly touted prospect this time two seasons ago. And, and there was a reason why his value was set at, you know, nine million or whatever the the dollar was. Buzz, do you have a sense as to why he's not progressing or getting better? Uh, you know, I have some some gut emotions as to why it might be. Um, I don't know that if I'm right or not. Um, my my instincts are that you know his initial success that he was having um, last year lent him to believe that he was on a good trajectory with what he was doing in terms of being impactful in this league and impactful on this team. And then this year he's trying to play the same way, uh, a way that seemed really uh, to be working last year. And, and then the team lost all of its pieces and more and more eyes have turned to him and more and more focus has turned to him and people are more used to him. And if you watched, when you watch the Death Sea Dallas games, if you watch the commentators that don't know this team as well, without fail, they talk about, particularly in the recent stretch, they, the commentators without fail talk about all eyes are on Velasco as being the one guy that could do something special today. Well, whenever that's true of the other team too, you know? And so I, I think a lot of it is just, um, you know, a little bit of a sophomore slump in the sense of like an acceptance or a belief that everything you're doing is working and you, and you stop trying to, do things that are new or inventive or varied and trying to constantly be pushing yourself and it's sort of like, okay, I've got this. Well, then everybody figures you out and everybody now is watching you specifically. And that kind of makes it even harder. And then you get into a slump of, oh, it's not working, man. I better go back to my bread and butter. What was really good? Well, even that's not working. 
and then now you're frustrated, you know, and now you're worried about it. And so now you're panicking about it, perhaps internally, that makes it even worse. You know, it, it all compiles and you are talking about a young, not in maybe world terms, but in, in terms of his own personal being, he is a young kid still, you know, he's not an experienced adult. He's a young adult. Um, and he probably is on his own in another country for the first time ever, you know, and, and even if he has friends and even if he has a dog now and all that kind of stuff, I imagine that some of it weighs on him a bit, you know, and, and he's feeling a lot of the weight of the shoulder. Like we talk about how he carries himself, like he's got the weight of the world on him, you know, and that really is kind of what it is right now. He probably recognizes that he's the best player still left. And that's, he's like, oh my God, I got to do this by myself, you know, and it's not fair to him really that we expect him to do it. And, and because we have such high expectations because they do pay so much money for him, we do think we need to see you do it, dude. And then he think he knows that, you know, and it makes it worse. So somebody not much younger than he is, in fact, are they are they the same age, Bernie and Alan? Is Alan a year older than Bernie? Oh gosh. Um Bernie's twenty ish, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's it's funny. Uh I mean Bernie hit what Bernie's is twenty one. Oh yeah, so he's actually older. Okay, uh, yeah. Bernie hit what his third goal this season, and with that finish. Yeah, yeah. It was a nice Superman finish. Yeah, Bernie is really good at take, like what we talked about earlier, right? When the when the moment comes, taking taking it, you know, and, and doing something special in the moment. And but at the same time, he's he's doing it. He's played three hundred minutes, and Allen's played sixteen hundred minutes, you know, and made nineteen starts, and Bernie's made three. So there's no pressure on Camungo. There's no no eyes on him. He's the guy slipping through the cracks. And no one's paying attention to him. There's not three guys following him around the field. You know, there's not 20,000 fans staring at him going, okay, dude, why do you suck? You know, it's different pressure, different world. No, nobody expects Bernie to do anything. Everyone expects Allen to do everything. You know, so there's, there it is. Yeah, there's some interesting differences. But, well, yeah. I'm happy for Bernie. It's a fantastic story and continues to be. And, uh, you know, he took his, he's taken his opportunities. He's had a couple of opportunities that he kind of, he's junked up over the last few games that he's had. Uh, but he's also taken a few and he scored his three goals. And I think that's more than Allen scored this season. So, yeah. yeah. But thinking of it this way, like what, ha- what, what would you think if, if all of a sudden Jesus and Paul and Legette and, Obreon, if all those guys were gone and it was just Velasco and just Bernie and all of a sudden Bernie is getting paid a million bucks and all of a sudden everyone's looking at Bernie and going, you're starting 34 games and you need to score 15 goals. Like how might he perform or how might he feel about himself or how much weight would be on him? Sure. Yeah. You know, it's could be a completely different scenario. Completely different. Like Bernie has no weight. That guy's free and easy. I'm breaking in. Things are going awesome. I get my 10 minutes. I get a goal. I'm a superstar, you know? he's living on cloud nine, whereas, you know, expectations matter, man, you know? Yeah. Well, that's actually put a pin in that because I think that'll uh, lend uh, neatly into the conversation I want to have here in a little bit. So Dallas gets the draw in Seattle to finish up the first half of the season. That means they're currently sitting uh, eighth, is it? Yeah, eighth place with 30 points, one point above Houston, and one point behind Vancouver. Uh, St. Louis in first, 11 points ahead of them. 
um, uh, and with 41 points. So they're in the playoffs as it is now, Buzz, but a lot of things yeah. can change between now and the end of the season. Well, it's way past the halfway point. This is more like two-thirds point. Fair. Yeah. I'm just um, saying halfway point because of the time of the break. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, look, the league is so tight, right? You're talking about from second place to, to where Dallas is, is seven points. And then from Dallas to uh, 13th place is, what is that? That's uh, eight points. So, you know, a couple of results one way or the other, you can be in second or last. It just is the way it is this in this league. You know, even the best team has six or seven losses, you know. No one's going, you know, one loss or two losses like we see in the in the big, huge, massive leagues sometimes with your, your unbeatens or, uh, you know, I shouldn't say that. FC Cincinnati only has two losses. Uh, you know they're they're obviously the pole setter for the for this in the, the west shield. though St. Louis yeah. is top when they have one loss less than FC Dallas. Yeah, they have eight losses and LFC has six losses. I mean, you know, like this is a league of parity. You know, it's going to make a big difference to get some guys healthy. Dallas is the exact same team now that we thought they were, you know, 3 months ago. It's just that they're all hurt. So offensively speaking, not defensively they've been in place, but you can't do it just on defense. This just goes to show you that while good defense is really important, you know, you still need to be able to score goals they've got a minus one goal differential right now, which is telling, right. That like, given how bad the team's been for like two months now where they've won one game, right. They're still at a, basically a 500 and goal differential. It's like, you know, it just takes a couple of guys coming back to get this thing turned in a positive manner. This is a team that keeps tight anyway, you know, and you'll, and you'll start to inch back up in the standings. Um, when you get some bodies healthy, I think, you know, I, I, I don't, it's not like you need people to come back and play like they're world beaters just to be consistent and to get the playoffs. Now, if you want to win something, you're going to need some guys to come back and be, take it to another level, but just to be what you were back in May, uh, you know, just get Ariel healthy and get Jesus back here and actually playing. And, and, you know, and if legit keeps taking these little baby steps forward, that'll be, you know, enough to get them, you know, back where they were in the top, you know, third of the, the Western conference or whatever. So that leads to the fact that this team has another game in just uh, two days, or I guess depending on when you're listening to the pod. On Friday, they yeah. start League's Cup. they got the game against um, Charlotte, Charlotte, and they've yeah. got the game against Nakaxa the following Tuesday on the 25th. I, I, I honestly have no idea what Nico uh, does with either one of these games. Well, like I said before when I talked to him, he said we're not going to sacrifice our season for this. You know, the, the, the league matters way more. But Charlotte, you know, you have two home games. It's set up to benefit the teams that are higher in the standings, which at the time was Dallas. Charlotte's 12th in the East on, you know, with nine losses to Dallas's nine losses. You know, so basically, again, MLS parity, they're all the same. Nacox is 14th. Granted, their season just started, but they're 0-2-1. They haven't won a game yet. You know, and they're going to be in early, early season form. So this will be the flip, really, of the Champions League, if you believe that stuff about season form, because all the MLS teams will be in midseason. Um, not that that'll help Dallas, of course, the way they're playing. Uh, I just don't think, I, I think you can expect to see some rotation. Uh, I think you can expect to see them try and get guys going, like get, get Paxton and, and Areola and Legette, try and get those guys going more than they have been and try and rest dudes that have had a heavy load. Edwin and Facundo both played a lot of minutes in this scene. Nikosi and Ibiaga played a lot of minutes lately. So you'll see, you know, Martinez needs to come back and give those guys a break. You need to have Paxton and, and Siki come in and give either Edwin or, or um, Facundo some time off. 
yet you want to play Legette, you want to play Areola. You probably don't want to play Jesus when he comes back. You probably wouldn't say screw it and keep him on the bench um, and give him a break. You don't want to risk him. Um, play Mulatto, play Obreon, play Camungo, you know, some of those guys. Play play Bernie, play, let Dante Sealy get some time. You know, it, it'll be a little bit of rotation, I think, you know. And we can go th- place by place if you want to get specific and do it. Well, I'm just I, I, sure. I, I'm just fascinated to know, like for example, if Paxton has been this mystery injury going on now, what feels like for quite a while, he's hurt and then he's back and he plays and now he's out again. I mean, is it worth risking him, or is this the opportunity to try to see? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, players like that, I just it's a mystery to me how they're going to put this thing together and not risk the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, you may be able to take it easy with him, but you know, you want to play legit anyway, and you've got Siki around, you could play him some, you know, put those two guys in midfield with either Facundo or Edwin and then let them flip flop, you know, like split their minutes each, you know, so that neither one of them plays more than like 45 to 60 minutes, um, you know, to give them a little bit of break and the same with Martinez do the same thing, like give Tafari a game off, give Ibiaga a game off one or the other, let, let Junka start for Farfan again. Giovanni just came back, so that's fine. You can play him. Tuomasi just came back to training. So maybe a week from now, maybe you'll start to get him some minutes so you're not worried about it necessarily for the first two games. You know, Gio will be fine for back-to-back games. He's hardly played, except, of course, he stinks defensively. You know, um, I, I might be tempted to sit Velasco. That's the real interesting question is, like, do you – if you – how sensitive is Velasco? If you sit him just to give him a mental break, will he take that the wrong way? And you may be even worse. You know, is it better to play him? I don't know enough about him personally to know how he would react because it might be better just to keep playing him and let him try and fight through it. You know, hmm. I don't. I don't know. I definitely would not play Jesus. You know? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Just let him sit and rest. Yeah, dude. If if you can't come to Seattle and play, if instead you're going to go to D.C. and fart around an All Star game, then you can sit around for the month. That's fine. Don't don't play him in any of this League Cup stuff unless you get through to like the final or something. Yeah, uh, the All Star game just finished. Uh, Arsenal ended up winning five nothing. Did he get it? He he uh, was subbed in in the thirty third minute and played and was subbed out in the sixty ninth. So thirty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, I, I, you know, you could have he could have easily made it to Seattle and sat on the bench and given him 10, 15 minutes. You know, I I, I know he played a bunch in the Gold Cup. You know, but Roldan and, and Morris both came back and played. So, and I know they didn't play him Jesus' minute loads. I wasn't talking about starting Jesus. I mean, I, I thought that they might because they were so desperate. But, uh, you know, it kind of annoyed me that he wasn't on the bench for that. Instead, he went to D.C. and did this. So, you know, I I, mean, I usually give Jesus a lot of benefit out. You know, the kid's fantastic, but this one this one annoyed me. Yeah. Well, he played 36 minutes, had no shots. A passing percentage of 60 uh, and won a single duel. So I didn't Great. see the game. I'm going to guess that means uh, his game was reflective of the <laughs> final score. I hate those things. Yeah. No fun. No fun at all. Um, anything else that you think we should be looking forward to? Is there is there a chance that maybe they bring up some other players from North Texas to no. try to help fill some holes? No, the official rosters were posted today, and uh, there's nobody from North Texas on the roster. I don't. Mm. I don't know what the rules were. I don't know whether you had to do your use your MLS roster or what, but they listed the Dallas roster and it's literally exactly their FC Dallas yeah. senior team roster. I mean, they have they have Parker and they have um, Smith uh, on there 
from their loans are listed on the official roster, but that's probably just a reflection of what's the official roster for the league. I would imagine. Yeah. I, don't, I doubt that means they're going to recall them for this kind of, you know, barely bigger than an exhibition. Yeah, I'm. I'm fascinated. No, it's not I'm, bigger than an exhibition. It's just crap midseason friendly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering. I mean, I my sense is is that the uh, excitement level over this thing is really low, and the only thing that's giving it any breath is you know the fact that Messi will debut, um, along with Sergio Busquets. Busquets, I can't I know. Farting Busquets is playing in this. It's so, so weird. Um, so I, I don't know, man. I it's just it does. There's a part of me that's frustrated by the fact that Dallas was awarded the getting to host these games. Uh, for this group stage and the teams in the shape that it's in. And it's almost as if everybody's just kind of quietly, Hey, let this thing happen over here. Nobody pay attention to it. It'll go away very quickly and we don't have to worry about it anymore. And that's kind of, that kind of sucks that it, it's gotten to that point. Well, not to be this guy, but I can't, I just, I'm not feeling like there's going to be much of a crowd at all. I mean, I know they have this hypothetical large number of sales because of this potential messy thing, but like I'm, I'm betting like on a Friday, Tuesday game combo, that the crowds are going to be, you know, mediocre, you know, not half full venue. I wonder what kind of crowd Nacoxa will pull on a Tuesday night. Man, I, I have no idea what Nacoxa's draw is in Dallas. I mean, I know if it was Tigris, they would they would get, you know, seven or 8,000 Tigris fans would show up. You know, I, I know that. Um, Monterey would do decent-ish uh, numbers. Pachuca might do decent-ish numbers, but... I don't know enough about Nacox's fan base in the Metroplex. It's not like it's one that I've noticed particularly, like I have some of those other ones. So it's, I'm, I'm looking, I, I will eat crow if I'm wrong, but if there's 12,000 of these two games each, I'll be ecstatic that they got 12,000. Okay. Well, that's, well, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dan. They'll announce the attendances because they tied so many people into that whole yeah. thing of buying all the tickets to get a chance at Messi. Yeah, it'll be announced sellout or close to it, but the stands will be empty. My yeah. my guess is the stands will be empty. And we're not helping, of course, poo-pooing the whole thing. I'm sure they'll blame us. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, all right, let's move into the topic of discussion I would like to get into, which is the fact that we're in the transfer window, Buzz. Mm. And there was an interesting uh, note that Brian Reynolds... See, I had thought Reynolds had signed a deal with Westerloo. I didn't realize uh, that Roma had turned down the offer from Westerloo. So word broke uh, this week that Roma is out shopping him around and making, trying to make him available. And, of course, everybody immediately was like, well, duh, let him come back to Dallas. Yeah. And then Buzz immediately uh, put a pillow <laughs> over everybody's excited little heads and just said, shh. Yeah. Go to sleep, sleep. It's not happening. Hashtag bug skull. Uh, yeah. Well, there's there's a twofold. Uh, granted, some of the stories that were out there were the ideas that Roman wants to loan him again somewhere, which is probably true. Um, and that Dallas was a team that was interested in bringing him back. That may also be true. But, um, you know, they, they do like Brian. There's not any bad feelings there. But you have to consider two, two things. One is um, how much it would cost, and, and two is what, what, what would Brian want. And the the problem, first, if you want to buy him, you're probably looking at something between 3 and $5 million to buy him. Yes, his price is down, but you could get him probably for somewhere in that range. You know, Could Dallas afford to buy him? Depends on what you got for um, Justin Shea. So maybe. Number two, Brian's salary right now, 
is just under, I believe, just under a million dollars or right close to a million dollars. Can Dallas afford that? Well, you could make him one of these TAM players where you, you know, you buy down his salary cap hit and you get it under the DP level, you know, which is kind of what you do with Martinez and and Facundo and Legette. So, yeah, you could probably do that. Again, how much do you get for Che? I think depending on what the numbers were, Dallas would have the ability to bring in a player on this kind of salary. Well, then you have to wonder, does that make sense at right back? Uh, and that's where you get to the no part because Dallas is an organization. And I know for sure that people that in the positions that, it, that make some of these decisions have told me flat out that generally speaking, they do not believe right back to be a transcendent position. It's not one where you spend a lot of money. Um, so, for them to spend a million dollars at right back, it's not necessarily something that they organizationally like to do, particularly because they have Giovanni Jesus as a U22 initiative. They have Tuomasi, who's a serviceable, solid pro. They've got Colin Smith on a loan, who's an, still has potential. There's three or four kids coming up through Academy in North Texas that have some upside, maybe not Brian Reynolds' upside, but have some upside. You know, this is not a position that they're dying necessarily. Would Reynolds be better than any of those options? Almost certainly. Is that worth a million dollars? Man, no. <laughs> no, it's not. And then in the end, that's the real thing. The real thing is like, would it benefit Roma and would it benefit Brian? Uh, no, not really. Because, you know, once they got Mourinho in there, Brian was going to be screwed at Roma. Well, that doesn't mean Roma wants to give him away for nothing. They want the player to develop. And playing in MLS is not going to be any better than playing at Westerlo was. You know, it's going to be about the same, you know, training at Roma was probably pretty good for him, honestly, you know, under some of their really good coaching, you know, those comments, he hasn't regressed or anything. He's not a worse player. He's still right there on the fringe of the national team. So, but that's what, that's the thing. He's going to be looking at the national team. He's like, how do I take the next step where three years from now I'm on the world cup team? That's what he's going to be thinking. And starting for FC Dallas for the next three years is not the answer to that question. So for, for him and for Roma, maximizing his value, maximizing his potential with the national team. Those all point to a something better than MLS and Westerlo, but not as good as Roma. Now, what that is, is up is for them to be able to decide, you know, there's probably lots of options, but I just can't see it benefiting either FC Dallas or Brian Reynolds for this thing to happen. Like that idea was floated as much as it would be fun. I love, I love yeah. Brian Reynolds, man. I'd love to have Brian Reynolds come back, but it just doesn't make any sense to me for all those reasons I just spelled out, not to kill the buzz, as I said. All right, and I should have, and I'm going to have to rewind here. One of the things I wanted to mention about the Seattle game is we did get to see the debut of Ansa into the game. Did Any thoughts about that, or was it pretty muted? And just wondering what you what you had to think about that. Uh, I, I was more curious if you guys bought my Roland Lamont theory in terms of what he looks like. Um, You know, I... I didn't, that didn't become obvious to me, but I probably didn't pay too much attention to it. I'll have to yeah. watch him a little bit more to decide if that's the case. Yeah. I, I mainly meant it in the way, in like the, 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 how he moves and how he looks, yeah. you know, I, I think really quickly in 20 minutes and hopefully Dan will back me up on this. I thought you could already see that he has a much higher level of game understanding than Roland Lamar ever did. You know, he clearly knew what he was doing, which is nice because a lot of times you get players that come in that don't know what they're doing. And he, he knew how to move and how to run, how to create space and how to get free and how to read the game and how, when those opportunities were break were going to come. You know, I, it was actually a relatively, to me, positive first performance. And it made me feel really good about the chance he's actually going to help this team. You know, I, Dan, I don't know if you agree with me on that or not. 
Um, I was trying not to read too much into to him because he's being put in a really difficult position. There. You know, he kind of backs up against the wall, um, playing an attacking position when there's really no attacking threat coming through the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think the you know, League's Cups games are going to be a great opportunity for him to, to gel with various portions of the team and hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more out of them. Yeah, and I should have also asked, and this is bad hosting on my part, I don't mean to uh, go back to an old subject, but uh, Dante Seeley uh, in the Seattle game as well, Buzz, we probably should have met, talked about him for a couple minutes. Dante Seeley a left back? Yeah, like what's up with that? <laughs> well, honestly, what that tells you and your number one takeaway should be that that's how bad it is like with the roster <laughs> that it was like his only option at that point was like, he was so desperate to get Giovanni off because that dude was getting just smoked and the, by Chu. And the only answer was I have to get um, Junka to the other side of the field. And the only body I have that can actually play on the left side at all is Dante Seeley. And I'm sure the instructions were just stay back and just be in the right place and just be back there. I, you know, it's entirely possible that, uh, PSV used him in some capacities like that. I would not put it past them to have tried that a few times. And so he maybe actually has had a, at least a taste of doing that somewhere along the line. You know, I've never seen him do it before. I couldn't believe that's what was happening. Um, but he was fine. I mean, he didn't, he didn't get smoked, which was a big improvement over <laughs> what was happening before that, you know, and, and honestly, like that move worked because Chu didn't do squat against Junka on that other side. And Roldan was causing a little bit of problems on the other side, you know, in the first half. And Seeley being quicker was able to run with Roldan more, you know. So, it relatively speaking, it worked. Seattle was diffused fairly well by that adjustment. Um, other than that, there's nothing you can take away from it regarding Dante and his ability to help this team other than like, wh- hey, whatever, we put him on, he didn't die. So, right. that's great. What is, this, uh, what is the uh, – what is the – I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this question. What is the – better indicator of how badly this season has gone is it a that Dante Seeley had to play left back or is it b Bernard Camundo is your second leading goal scorer with three I'm gonna go with Dante having to play left back honestly because you know Bernie at three is 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 what I would consider normal the fact that it's the number two leading scorer is the problem. There should be somebody at like five. That's yeah, what's missing, like, right? Yeah. But like I can, there have been seasons where the leading scorer has only had seven. So, I mean, that's not out of this world weird. Yeah. Dante Celia left back to me is like, holy crap, that's really what you had left at that time. You You're know? really enjoying those Roland Lamar references today. Am I honest, Drew? <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking more of the season. Blas had seven and led the team in scoring. You know, that's, that's right. God, that's that been, was a crappy season. Yeah, oh. there's been multiple seasons where well, that's like that's like Jesus eight, eighteen. Jesus is eighteen last year. Is so remarkable, and the fact that he's, you know, given himself a window to actually do it back to back is just crazy for this franchise. I mean, that's. It, well, the reason why I brought all this up, I'm sorry, and I didn't mean to backtrack what I was trying to get to when I mentioned the Ansa stuff, is that that is the one kind of, not kind of, that's the one move they've made in this window. And, and what has been a relatively busy window across the league, even if you take Miami out of the wind, out of the, out of the story, it's still been a pretty busy window across the league yeah i i I guess buzz i'm just gonna ask you the same question everybody's asking me and i think they're asking you yeah is are they gonna make any other moves i'm not confident of it 
you, you know, I, I've been talking a while about how they kind of needed the Che sale to happen to sort of give themselves some ability to do anything. I, I don't know that they thought that, you know, that where he ended up was where he was going to be going. You know, it's not, I think the idea was that Hoffenheim was going to buy him. And when that didn't materialize and he was basically like, I'm going back to Europe period, they probably were stuck trying to get whatever they could. So I don't know, but my instinct is the numbers on this one were not as good as they really needed it to be. And I know they even got a million dollars for it, man. If, if they, if they did get a million dollars for it, I, for him, I'd actually be like, Oh wow. They actually managed to get a million. You know, when, when they, when Byron first wanted him, uh, I would have said three, but then he, you know, didn't succeed, you know, and that kind of, when you get kicked back out, uh, your value goes down, you know? So if they get a million, million and a half, I'd have been like, Oh, great that you got that for him because your hands were tied. They were, he forced them to do it, you know? So that, that again, that hurts the value that you're going to get. Um, you know, so I, I just don't know that they're in a position to just outright buy somebody or sign somebody. Um, the, a lot of the mechanics are used up, you know, the, the, the buyout is used up. International spots are used up. Um, senior roster spots are used up. Now, could you jettison guys? You probably, you could, but then you don't get cap relief when you do that. So then you get into questions of like how much cap do they have? How much Tam Gam do they have? We don't know any of those answers, you, but you can trade people. So I think it's, I think it's, the chances of them just outright signing a guy, I think are quite low. The chances of them making a move, however, I think are still pretty good. I'd put at like a 50% chance that they might try and trade somebody inside the league um, to get, you know, get to move on somebody they don't want anymore or to get, you know, fill a hole that they might think that they could, uh, if they can get somebody that could help them for a season or, or two. I think they, you might see that happen. But they won't do it just to do it. This coach is very adamant that every time I ask, he always says, we're always willing to make the team better, but we're not going to do something just to do something. And he says it, and Andre says it, and Dan Hunt says it. And they all say it every time you ever ask him. You know, and it could be that it's all just a party line. But you know, when they say the same thing over and over and over again, at some point you have to be like, and it, and it matches their behavior. You know, they, they do. They don't go out there and just do things just to do them. Like, we came into this season, right? The only thing that happened was they went and got Ibiaga. They didn't hardly do anything else. And we talked about it over this winter. Remember how we yeah. were like, oh, yeah. we were like, they stood pat. And the whole league's going to pass you by. Well, look at their standings. Uh, right? Look, so, Buzz, I think yeah. if you go back and listen to this podcast in January, much of what has transpired over the course of the last six, seven months was largely predicted by you, me, and Dan. Yeah. At the beginning of the year, like yeah. this has all been the most obvious course, uh, how it's been laid out and played out over the uh, over the course of the season this, at this point. I still think, yeah, look, there's so many teams make the playoffs. I don't yeah. think they're so bad that they, I, I mean, I still think they'll struggle to make the playoffs, but they're not a team that's going to go deep in the playoffs unless, yeah. A, there is a some sort of healing miracle that takes place across the team, and B, those players that come back actually find some sort of form because a lot of these guys that are hurt weren't in great form when they got hurt to begin no. with. And this, this, we still have the same problems with this franchise and this roster that we had all year, right? There's still a little bit light at center back. You know, having traded Brandon Sylvania and then had all those injuries, I think we can look at the midfield and think they're fairly light in the midfield. And the way 
they run out of options once Jesus was gone at nine. Shows you that they're probably a little bit light at nine. Now they just brought in Ansa, you know, so maybe there's an attempt up front. They just brought back Dante Sealy. That's a little bit up front. Okay. That, so you can look and say, I, I can see a couple other spots that I think that this roster could be improved. Can you do it without spending a boatload of money? Because they don't, we don't think, I don't think they have boatloads of money laying around. Could you do it by making a move? Maybe so. So, I, you know, again, I, I think straight up signing, the odds are low, I think. Trade, you know, if somebody comes to them with an offer that they really like, it, it would not it would not shock me. Or if there's somebody out there on a free. Yeah. Which there's a name on a free that I think makes some sense. So we'll see, you know. Mm. And we can get to that guy if you want. He's what? on the run down there. Sonora? Yeah. Alan Sonora just just terminated his contract with um, FC is it's Juarez, right? I think he's right down there in El Paso, right? He's the one who is on the fringe of the national team. He just played in the gold cup. He's the one that said he wanted to come to MLS to cement himself in the U S national team pool. And there was talk that of a couple of teams they were interested. So the fact that he voided his contract means he's available on a free. So you could just sign him and you can look at the way FC Dallas is laid out lately. You can look at the injuries they've had in central midfield at the eight position you could argue that after they traded Brandon, they may or maybe they had Legette, they had Paxton, they had Seeky at eight, and then they had nobody. Hmm. Maybe you know. Now his dad played for SC Dallas. Remember, he's oh, yeah. one of the one of the younger ones. He is an American, so no international needed. You know what I mean? I mean, like that's a move. Whack on my microphone. Sorry, that's a move that makes sense to me. I have no idea if Dallas is interested in him or not. But it fits a need, and he's free, and you can get him into the roster. So yeah. those, those are that's a trifecta of, like, a, if you, anyone ever asks you what's a name that they could add that could actually make sense, that's a guy. Is he a world beater? No. But his contract would be, I don't know, 250, 350, maybe it's four. Somewhat reasonable, actually. You know, look at what Ema's on or look at what Ryan was on or look at what Farfan's on. You can buy some of those numbers, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. My um, well-documented pessimistic superpowers are uh, vibing very hard these days about the status of the club, and I don't want to beat everybody down with all of that stuff. But I, the thing that I'm having, uh, I spent a lot of time contemplating is the reality that the Hunts have done such a good job at converting uh, people and coming to the games in the last two seasons. I mean, they've just, the, the, I mean that that. I still contend that this is one of the least underreported stories in the uh, sports media uh, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is how this that part of it, the attendance thing, has been such a good turnaround. And I just wonder, I just continue to wonder how much of that is at risk with all of these new fans when they suddenly all have this realization that the rest of us had decades ago <laughs> that the hunts just aren't going to go out and start buying and yeah. spending a lot of money to go get big names. And yeah, your transfer window in July may be a guy from the Israeli pro league and a guy that had to buy out his contract from a second tier <laughs> yeah. uh, Mexican club. Well, let me, let me be a hundred percent clear that I, it's not like I know something about Alan Sonora. I'm a hundred percent. I get it. You know, I'm not trying to hint around here. I'm just, I just do math and think, man, that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to make my point under the idea that maybe they do yeah. do that deal, but yeah. I'm still saying that's not gonna that's not gonna get anybody excited about oh, no. this club. Well, it comes back to the thing we always say, right? Is just look at the way that the hunts operate the Chiefs. You know, they are willing to pay their guys, but they don't go out and sign a guy away from somebody else for crazy money. You know, and so that's the way the hunts operate here. They right. operate in a budget. They're going to pay their guys. They paid Legette. They paid Areola, right? They're paying Paxson. They're paying Jesus. They're paying. They're signing homegrowns. They're investing in the academy. They do all those things. They don't go sign Messi for seven hundred million dollars. <laughs> you know, they don't even go get Rui Diaz level guys. You know, or Vela level guys. They don't even do that, let alone Messi. So. You have to, if you're going to be a fan of this team, you have to understand that that's who runs this team. And, and yeah. ever since they tried, they tried it with the Nielsen and they were one of the first people to try it and they got burned bad and they never have, I mean, even Velasco, right? Which is the biggest spin they've ever done. Look how they did it. They did it on a young guy. Theoretically, you're going to flip for profit. That was your theory. You know, maybe you're not sure. going to, but that's what the plan was. Not, you know, they're not going to go spend on a, 32 year old like Toronto FC does, you know, thank God actually. Well, that's kind of comes back to the thing that I asked you to put a, a pin in about this, which is, do you think, do we, is there an argument to be made that Dallas needs to stop at least for a bit tr in, in terms of trying to go out and sign a young prospect that's going to become that and turn them into a superstar and and maybe spend some money on somebody that actually has some skins on the wall as a veteran player, and I don't mean a veteran player in terms of Roland Lama or Ansa type veteran player. Yeah. I'm talking about like a legitimate player that can help this team and doesn't have growing pains or homesick or stuff like that. Man, those are expensive. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. kind of my point, <laughs> I know, Buzz. <laughs> I know. I mean, the closest we came to that was Mauro Diaz, and then he was hurt so much. You know, he only started 50% of the games he was available for, you know, because he was hurt all the time. Yeah. You know, uh, even even David Ferreira, that was the diamond in the rough guy, you know, uh, uh, Shellis had seen him playing some scrub game somewhere, you know, and, and uh, you know, granted, he was playing for some pretty good teams like Cap and stuff, but – he still wasn't a profile, you know, and it's yeah. just, you just know the hunts aren't going to do that. Man. No. And again, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. This is obviously a conversation we've had more a times than times. we care. Oh, right. Man. But the point I'm trying to, the, the, I'm, let me try to do a better job of this with all of the success they've had off the field in the attendance. Is there, do you think any thinking internally in the team that maybe they have to rethink their business model to sustain this success they've had in the stands understanding that at some point everybody's going to go, Oh yeah, this is really, we're wasting our time. I don't actually, because, um, there have been eras where this team has been really good, like under Oscar Perea and nobody came and that the, the jump in attendance this last two seasons coincided with the Pepe sale. Uh, and the money that came in and the elevation of money and the hiring of somebody that knew what they were doing with marketing. So I honestly think that to, to me, the difference in the stands has nothing to do with the product because uh, this coach, these last two years plays a very defensive product. It is not sexy. 
is not pretty. But oh, hold you on. Know? Can I push back on that a little bit? Sure. It was way sexier last season than it has been this season. Uh, not, I mean, on the road home, it, it was a, it was a little sexier, but the road wasn't at all. Um, I don't know that it was all that better. I, I don't think I thought it was about the same, honestly, uh, in huh. my opinion. You know, it's not it's not. Well, the, I think there were key players that are, were playing better last year. Well, than that's they are true. This year. That's true. But it's that's that doesn't make that mean the product was sexier. You know, like it's not Tiki Tacky or Jogo Benito or. You know, uh, even a high-powered like shoot 'em up vertical like Lester or something. You know, there's not like bags and bags of goals going in. You know, it's not a high entertaining product. It's not beautiful. It's not pretty. You know, even Lucci Ball, as much as it can be annoying, still was like pass, 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 pass. It kind of looks pretty cool. You know, I I just don't know that like I I don't think you can point. In my opinion, you can't point at the play on the field as the thing that made the st- the attendance after. 20 years of 12 to 15 K all of a sudden 19 K sellouts overnight isn't because the product is gorgeous. It's something else. It's, it's the money. And I think they'll probably think that too. And so they're not going to, I don't think they're going to think, man, we got to pay off these new fans with some hype signing. I don't think that the, the fans know, honestly, not the bulk of them. Hmm. Maybe I'm a jerk. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, there there is certainly a level of name and talent that a if they're willing to come play in Frisco, right? That's that's problem yeah. number one. B, you got to be willing to pay them. Uh, that I think that if you can if you can get that kind of player to sign, there's enough uh, educated so- soccer smart people in the Metroplex that yeah. would appreciate having that level of player playing in the league. But- Probably, but I'm sitting. Well, you remember when Nashville was here like a month ago? I'm sitting in the stands, and every time Hanny Mukhtar touched the ball, the people around me were like, "This guy sucks. He's terrible. What an awful player." I'm like, "Are you out of your mind? Mukhtar's a superstar in this league. He's the MVP. He's arguably one of the best two or three players in this league. The kid, the guy's phenomenal player, phenomenal player, and the people around me are trashing him as being a horrible player. And I'm like, I, I don't." So like this idea that like so-and-so is going to come in here and people are going to be like, Ooh, what a player. I don't, unless it's messy. I don't think people, the average fan, no offense is not going to know the difference. Hmm. You know, like, okay. I mean, Hani Mukhtar is an MVP and I guarantee you that 95% of the people in the stands at an FC Dallas game have no idea who that is. Now when Vela was here, the stadium went crazy when he subbed in because he's a Mexican superstar. But your average, like, world-beating MLS player, no one here has any idea who that – like, look at the LAFC's forward that they have this year that's phenomenal. And when they came here and played, the people around me are trashing that guy as a horrible player, and he's leading the league in scoring. It's arguably going to be the MVP. And then Vela subbed in, the old man who can barely run, and everybody went crazy. You know? So I, I honestly think, like, it doesn't matter what product you put on the field – you know, if you want to buy some hype, I think people would care. Otherwise, they don't care because I'm not sure the average fan honestly recognizes a good play when they see it. Well, that's uplifting. I'm a jerk, I know. Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. It is it, it is what it is. I got a little dark there, my bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it's just good to be honest. Um, yeah. There's, there's some incredibly knowledgeable, dedicated FC Dallas fans, and there's a lot that aren't 
Yeah, that, I, I, that are there for the the Vela, the yeah. the you know that are probably really excited about Wrexham doing a preseason tour because it's on because of TV. Couldn't tell you, you know, couldn't identify the fact that their team is dog shit, and um, you know, at the same time would go on about oh Ferrer is just an MLS player, he's nothing, you know. Hmm. Well, it it will be interesting to see as the team goes if this doesn't get better uh, and yeah. the season doesn't get better. How long the front office is able to sustain its uh, a significant uptick in terms of attendance and atmosphere and stuff that'll that will be an interesting thing to keep an eye on as the season moves on. Well, like I said, the Leafs Cup are, and I think they're going to be terrible, but I know that the Austin game must be really close to a sellout because I, I keep seeing them. Um, you know, talking about how that, that's limited tickets. They're pushing it to try and get it over the line. So it's got to be close, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't know how there really is only like 10 or 12 games left, something like that. And I haven't looked at how many of them are at home or not, but um, you know, it's not, there's not a lot of opportunities, honestly, other than Lee's cup, you know, um, Atlanta and Seattle both have to come here. So those, those will draw pretty well. You would think after Austin. Right. And then, Columbus, no one will care. Colorado, no one will care. San Jose, well, no one will care. So really, you'll sell out Austin and then maybe Atlanta and Seattle. And then people think Columbus sucks, even though they were in the cup like two years ago. And, and Colorado does suck. So maybe maybe Lucci Ball will bring him to the all the boys to the yard for the San Jose game. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess we got to uh, uh, struggle through League's Cup first, and we'll worry about the rest of the season after the fact. And I think the the big hope out of the the next two games is just that you don't suffer any more injuries. Uh, and- you know what my big hope for League's Cup is? My big hope for League's Cup is that FC Dallas actually wins the thing, so that they will win a trophy that isn't MLS Cup. Just because I want to hear your reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Curse you, League's Cup! <laughs> and they'll make a huge deal about it, and Peter will be like, "No." One one small thing, Buzz. I will challenge you. The Columbus game will sell out because oh. it's a drone show. Oh, it's a drone show. Hey, listen, the there's a perfect shows, example of what's putting people in the stands, man. Those drum shows are huge. They yeah. do good business. That was clever, smart stuff. And I think I've started to see that they've started doing drone shows at other things, uh, other events yeah. around town, too. And Dallas, sure the have. club, was kind of the first ones to start featuring that, yeah. to the best of my knowledge. All right. Well, I think we've uh, bummed everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> Enough for one Sorry, evening. Sorry, I know I went sour Buzz, on you. Somebody sounds like they need a vacation, need maybe. A vac- yeah, it's hot. I need out. <laughs> I'm old, man. It makes me tired. I can't do it. Grumpy, overheated yeah. Buzz Carrick. Well, so grumpy that I that somebody fired a coach. We should talk about that. Yeah, so what is – I'm I'm sorry. I haven't paid attention to the B team in a really long time. And when they said – when I saw that he had been fired, I was like, oh, that's what that guy's name was? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did um, they uh, did they fire him because the media team was no longer able to get any of the local TV stations to uh, cover the story about him being at the Allen Mall? Uh, yeah, possibly. They kind of burned – they had kind of wasted <laughs> – they had kind of well, had its um, run. They fired him right after the Houston game. It's so quickly, in fact, that it feels like one of those, 
games where they just are like, because Houston hadn't won in four straight and hadn't scored a goal in like four games. And I feel like maybe, maybe this would have been, it was kind of like it had like an ultimatum vibe. Like, listen, you've got to win this game or it's over. And then he didn't because it happened really quickly. Um, and th- wasn't, this, wasn't this uh, Nico's dude? Well, we don't know that for sure. He's from Spain though. You know, he'd been coaching for Austin. Doesn't everybody in Spain know each other? Well, you know, when you have a problem with the previous coach not getting along with the current first team coach and the thing falls apart mostly over that and the complete inability for them to work together. And then they they go out and hire a guy from Spain who you knew, at least on some level, you know, and there's we believe that at least like his fingers are in it. It felt like his kind of coach, if nothing else. Um, But, you know, the, the, the press release had some language in it about you know, making a move that wanted to make their season compatible, which is really weird because when you watch that team play, uh, that that coach was shifting through his lineups all the time. To me, I read it like, well, they've, they've got to be making these decisions based on trying to develop people because they're picking guys that are clearly worse and playing them over guys that are clearly better. You know, there are things that you've done that made it, gave you a better chance to win and then you don't continue to do them. So, okay, it's a developmental thing. You're playing some academy kids. You're playing some of these foreign dudes to see if they have anything. Well, that's what it looked like. And then they fired the guy. So maybe he was just a really bad coach. On the other hand, uh, because of this gap between FC Dallas, uh, sorry, MLS and Next Pro, and Dan, I'm sure will be able to back me up on this, there's still this gap there. So they, they basically have stopped sending guys down, right? They, they loaned Parker and Smith to USL instead because this thing is no, wasn't any good for them. And then Norris has stopped going down. Corsa has stopped going down. Bernie stopped going down. Uh, Mulatto has stopped going down. Now that stoppage in sending those guys down to play has coincided with all the injuries. So it could be, it could have been just that, but it also, I think is the fact that that league is not particularly good. And they they had it for a while. They were playing a whole bunch of academy guys. There were games where they would have five or six academy guys in at a time in the lineup, and they were rotating through a bunch of them. Well, those guys all went to college, and now we have a new set of academy guys that are beginning to filter in right about. And so the last couple of lineups have been all these foreign guys, and they stunk. They they haven't won a game in like ten. They're not scoring goals. They're bleeding goals out of the back. They're just not any good, and. Uh, there's there's four or five guys that I would cut right away on that team. So instead they fired the coach. So, you know, it's weird to watch the way they operate the thing and then be mad that the guy didn't get results. And I'm like, dude, you're not giving him any players. Hmm. So, you know, listen, soccer, and I've said this a million times, coaches say this, I think you probably know this. It's about the players, right? It's always about the players. You, a manager, once the game starts, a manager can only do so much. You can sub a guy in. That's about it, really. You like the players on the field do what they want. You know, it's mm. it, like you got to have talent, and he didn't have any. And so the, they they promoted an assistant to head coach, and he'll have a chance, I'm sure, to win himself a job. Who is that? Uh, Gall. He was the U19 coach for the academy, and then he took – he's the, the director. the Welsh guy? Yeah, he's the director of um, – academy coaching yeah. and he was U19 coach. And then since he left that and now he's still director of academy coaching and he's the assistant for the North Texas. So now he's the interim head coach. So I'm sure he's getting a chance to win himself the job. Um, Michelle is still there as a assistant. And so is um, uh, the keeper um, Zobek. 
you know, so those guys are still running it and we'll see if they can get any better. You know, I'm not optimistic because they have some really crappy players. (laughs) (laughs) So we finished the pod even stronger (laughs) than we tried to a few minutes ago. Well, Dan knows this apparently, and maybe Dan, you want to tell a story about the cat scouting director since that was your story, you know, better than I did. Um, that he's been the guy that's kind of running it or. Yeah. It, essentially Zanata has not been picking players for that team so much. They've kind of handed it off to their head of scouting and their GM, Matt Denny have been kind of getting players for that team. And, you know, to me, the, the group they've got this year didn't look so good. It's not, I see there's one guy that I think is okay. And the, the, the farm players now, mind you, is the ones I'm talking about. So the bulk of them all to me have been terrible. So it's like, to me, it's just like the, the purpose of that chain of that team just isn't, doing what it it was originally you know that first season it was all about sending players down getting you guys like brian reynolds like tanner testman um you know getting them guys experience getting them some hard knocks against 30 year old pros um now it's all let's find a guy from the colombian second division who's young and we think may potentially project to the first team at a big stretch and just basically use this as an extended trial playing in games that they're just completely not ready for at this point. Yeah, the whole everyone in the league is running the same kind of team. It's these, you know, U23 team basically with maybe a rehab guy now and then. So like everyone's doing the same. So you don't get that variety of quality of teams, you know, and these variety of quality of styles and ages. You know, so it's just it, they're caught in no man's land with what to do with the stupid thing, you know, and they, they can only use a certain amount of academy players. You have to have a certain amount of players that are just signed to that team and you have to use a certain amount of homegrowns or whatever else coming down for assignment. They've quit doing that. They quit bringing guys down, you know, so it's, it's just homegrowns and these 20 year old whatever's that are not any better than that, what they've got coming out of the academy. And, you, and I want to say to them, just play a whole bunch of academy kids. Well, you can't, you can only play up to seven of them in a, in a, in a game or on any given roster. You know, so it's it's not that simple, but Dan's correct in the sense that the team's sort of slipping through the cracks of what we're going to do with this thing. You know, they do it because they have to, and, you know, and, and there used to be this idea behind it, as Dan says, when it was in USL 1 and it had this value that for them they kind of have lost. And that's demonstrated by, as I said, Smith and Parker being on loan to championship teams instead because it, the value's not there in terms of like progressing a homegrown, you know. Sure. You know, it doesn't help that it's not like it's not a good standard. It's not a case. You know, there is a big jump to MLS, and those loans to USL Championship teams are are vital. But I mean, still, it's just that first season you had Orlando and Toronto that kind of did this sort of had this sort of strategy going of just like we're going to sign a whole different team. They are not. They are not Orlando. They are not. Toronto players, they are purely OCB or TFC to players who are probably never going to come close to even training with the team, let alone making that roster. And that's, and, you know, I think everyone in Dallas, like watching uh, North Texas win the league pretty comfortably, scoffed at that. And like, well, you know, glad the club here is, is using it to develop future players that have actually got a realistic shot and we've kind of watch that go out the window. I mean, 
you know, if we talk about the high, the hybrid contracts and everything, and, and FC Dallas not having the or North Texas FC Dallas not having the greatest of luck with it, but you're kind of, you know, it's dang, you're dangling the carrot, right? Of we're going to put you in a competitive team, we're going to show you a progression where you can get to MLS. Now, I'm going to probably just bring someone in from Brazil who's played some high school soccer, and they're just going to get the minutes in front of you. Yeah, it's not good, Bob. Uh wow. FC Dallas <laughs> for the nerds. Yeah, it's just dark podcast, man. What's going on? No, that's super nerdy stuff right there. It's, 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 anyone that stuck around for North Texas talk is uh, going to be hardcore. So when do we get into <laughs> kit talk? As there, I I saw that the uh, Luton Town kit you you predicted turned out to be almost exactly right. It was close. It's my favorite design. A, the racing stripe des- design is my favorite. There was a leaked photo, so that was, oh. That was oh cheater, cheater. Yeah, but... Well, at least you fessed up to it, Dan. Do you like it? Are you happy with it? I, I like it. Um, the only thing I don't like is the sponsor. They only agreed to the sponsor really late in the day, so it's badly photoshopped on. Mm. Um, but that's the only thing that's like stopped me from pre-ordering it. Okay. But I will be ordering it with the Premier League badges and all that shit. So. Of course you are. Hey, Dan, what's your Premier League team? Oh, well, now I actually have one. So, yeah. <laughs> that's an inside <laughs> joke. <laughs> all right, boys. Well, uh, Buzz, I hope you travel safely all the way up to uh, the Thanks, promised man. land. Yeah. And uh, we get to hear from you again. So we are going to continue to do pods while you're yep. in the upper north, correct? Yeah. The one next week will be, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, not Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday-ish. You know, at earliest it'll be a Thursday morning. It might be Thursday late, probably, because... Um, obviously I'll be like on Pacific time or not. Obviously I'll be on Pacific time since people may not know that. Um, you know, we'll do our best. We'll play two games in Leafs cup. So we'll see where we are. We'll have stuff to talk about. So we'll definitely do it. It just might, you might not see it till really late Thursday or Friday morning. Unless you get eaten by a bear. Unless I get eaten by a bear or have some kind of awful travel experience. And, uh, aside from subscribing to Patreon, uh, buying shirts from whatever t-shirt store is now uh maybe we could crowdfund a uh a wireless hotspot for buzz <laughs> well i have a phone <laughs> you know it works yeah I, I just remember you sitting in was it you were sitting in a reception of something or sitting in your car last year we did one where i was in my car uh we did one from a hotel room um by the time we're doing the next podcast for this particular trip, I'll be at my in-laws house. So the ah, internet okay. will be perfectly fine. I just got to remember to take my good microphone. So I don't sound like uh, I'm sitting at the bottom of a well or something. All right. So, maybe, maybe we can hold off on that 5g hotspot until next year. Then. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, buzz again, travel safely, Dan. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. And when's and- the uh, premier league, uh, Season preview. I, I care this year, funnily enough. <laughs> we're still <laughs> we're still putting that one together. Um, we're actually on the 29th. The two Dallas, the two guys that live here in Dallas, the one that owns uh, Leighton Orient and the other guy that owns Woking are coming on the show the, on the 29th of July uh, to kind of preview the upcoming season, uh, you know, their leagues and just talk about all the stuff that they're doing to get started. So probably it'll probably be the show after that, Dan, how about that? 
Very nice. Please keep predicting Newcastle getting relegated because you guys have been doing that for like six years now, and it's been great. I think that's unlikely to happen this year, <laughs> oh, Buzz. You may, get, you may get the opposite <laughs> of your wish. Finally. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, I think that's that's probably the case. Yeah. So, okay, I'm looking forward to rubbing it in your faces in uh, in June, I guess, when uh, Luton yeah. doesn't finish 20th and break Derby's record of 11 points. Well, you're going to have to play a game first, which means your stadium has to get finished, sir. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's good. Okay. The floodlights are actually up. All right, good. Supposedly. Third Degree the Podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. Right now you can get all the new stuff and new arrivals, the Women's World Cup gear, FC Dallas, European Club gear, all the stuff for the new season. They got the Marvel stuff, the pre-match, the MLS Cup balls, everything you could want. Third Degree listeners get 20% off at Soccer90.com when you use the code Third Degree at checkout. Some exclusions do apply. All right, Buzz, travel safe. Dan, thank you very much. And thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan. We will speak to you next week, some way, somehow, on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. And it might be as depressing. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. 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 Third degree, the third degree